All right. Come on, Go Church family. How you feel today? You feel good? You don't. You don't sound like you feel good. You know, this is uh, multiple gatherings on a Sunday, and if you want a compliment here, this is the best-looking group we've had so far. How about that? Come on. Now, how you feeling, Go Church? You feel good? Come on. Let me greet everybody. Most of you know this already, but Go Church has multiple locations. We've got our campus here on the south side of Atlanta, and you are in that room today, and we greet all of you. And then looking in the cameras in the back of the room, we've got the honor and the privilege to live stream our gatherings to our west side Atlanta campus on the amazing property of City of Refuge, so we greet all of you. And then, of course, our Germantown, Maryland campus there in Montgomery County doing ministry in the greater Washington, D.C. area, and so we greet all of you. And then, of course, our online campus and community, whoever you are, wherever you're watching from, we just love you. We thank God for you. So, all right, whatever campus you're a part of today, can you put your hands together, greet one another like one big happy family? Come on, let's do that. Hey, come on, let's take our volume up just a touch here. Come on. Now, uh, you already know this, but we have a tradition here at Go Church before we get into the message where we always pause to give honor to the brave men and women that have served in the military, are serving in the military, or your job considers you to be a first responder. Next Sunday, of course, we'll celebrate uh, independence as a nation, and we get that freedom because of the sacrifice of brave men and women that put their life on the line. So if you serve in the military, you're a veteran of military, or you're a first responder at a campus today, would you put your hand up for a moment? Let us show you some love. Come on, let's say thank you. Come on. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, whole family. God bless you. Thank you. Come on, a little louder. Go church. I love it. That's good. You, you got one more clap in you? You got one more clap in you? All right, actually two more. I was walking up here on stage to get ready to come out, so I walked on stage, went backstage, and it just kind of hit me, the amazing volunteers that we have here at Go Church. They serve on our Go team. Uh, there, are, there are volunteers. They've worked all week long. They've completely set up our Germantown theater for that ministry to have church today. We got people serving on the west side. Some people drove from the south side to the west side. We got leaders and volunteers right now serving in Go Kids uh, wiping rear ends and cleaning snotty noses. Come on. Cameramen and women, sound production, the worship. Can we just say thank you to all of those that serve on the Go team? Come on, let's go. Thank you. All right. Now you're here on a really great day. We're kicking off a new series, and we're calling it Summer School, uh, which some of us are familiar with. Come on, somebody. Back in the day, we went a little summer school. And uh, we're studying the book of Proverbs and a full disclosure here, this is going to be the longest series that we've ever done at Go Church. Uh, we'll kick off today, which is the last Sunday in the month of June, and we're going to go for 10 weeks. So all of the month of July and all of the month of August, we're going to dive into the book of Proverbs. So I want you to take notes, comprehensive notes throughout the series. I have the privilege to, to have such a great staff here, to lead such a great staff and as a part of this particular 10-week series, you get to hear from some of our associate pastors, Pastor Ben, Pastor David. My father-in-law is going to preach one week. Uh, the founder and CEO of City of Refuge, Bruce Deal, will be preaching one week. So kind of a team approach here on the 10-week series, but it's going to be fabulous, fabulous. So we're going to kick off today, week number one. I want to go to the Lord in prayer, ask Him to be in this moment, uh, to, to give us clarity of thought, and rebuke distraction, 
You've had a busy week. You've got a busy week coming up. But I don't want God to, uh, I don't want to miss what God wants to do in this moment. I want God to do whatever he wants to do, and I want to roll with it. Are you with me on that? All right. So every head bowed, every eye closed. Let's take 10 seconds here, create a moment of meditation and focus and invite the Holy Spirit in, and then I'll pray for us. All right. Here we go. 10 seconds. Thank you, Jesus, for your love. Thank you, Jesus, for your grace. Thank you, Jesus, for your presence through the Holy Spirit. I like to pray this prayer often because it's a reminder that I have zero desire to be a celebrity pastor or to pastor a famous church. I just want to make you famous. It's my heart to tell the whole world what you did in my life, Lord. And so I'm standing up here with great humility today, reminded of where you brought me from. And so I pray that since you've appointed me to to speak today, I I pray for an anointing on my life. Um, I I need your help, Holy Spirit. Speak through me. Um, I've prayed over this message, fasted over this message, practiced this message out loud to an empty room. And now, God, I believe that you've anointed me uh, for such a time as this. And I'm praying for an anointing on the people listening. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear what you would have to say. I do speak against distraction. And I pray that you, Holy Spirit, would touch our heart and we would leave here different than when we came. And so in advance of the work that you're going to do, we say thank you. And we pray all of these things in the beautiful name of Jesus, the sweet name of Jesus. Come on. The powerful name of Jesus. And you don't know what to pray. You've got no more words to say. Just lift your hands and shout, Jesus. Jesus, we honor you and we give you glory in your precious name. And together, everybody said amen. Now we've clapped a lot for a lot of people, but how about we turn our applause to the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. Come on. Has he been good to you? So a a few Sundays ago, we closed out our series on Ask Away, a five-week series that really the content of that was driven from the Easter survey card that you did a few months ago. And we closed out that Ask Away series by looking at a question that so many people were asking, and that's how do I understand the Bible? How do I I study the scripture? And if you missed that particular Sunday, go back online. I'd love for you to hear that. I think it's practical teaching, but also I gave you a breakdown of all 66 books of the Bible from the Old Testament to the New Testament, from Genesis all the way through Revelation. And I showed you how the the different books of the Bible were categorized, how they were structured. And and in that breakdown, I showed you that there are five books in the Bible known as the poetry books. That's the book of Job, the book of Psalms, the book of Proverbs, the book of Ecclesiastes, and then the book of Song of Solomon or Song of Songs. Within these five poetry books, there are three books known as wisdom literature, I want you to take notes. If you're taking notes, say, I am, Pastor. Come on. Even if it's mental, hang in there with me. Three of these five books are known as wisdom literature books. And these are the the books of Job, Proverbs, and Ecclesiastes. And what's interesting is you read Scripture as you study Scripture. If you're careful in your your reading, you don't just read it to accomplish it, but you read it to, to eat it. Come on, somebody. You'll see that Job, Proverbs, and Ecclesiastes really address the same set of questions. 
the answers are from a different perspective, and I'll show you that here in just a moment, but, but these three particular books, they, they, really, they really address the same set of questions, and, and the question is this, is what kind of world are we living in? Hello, come on. You asked that recently, like what kind of world is this? And then what does it look like to live well in this world? So God gives us his word to show us how we can live well in this world. And I don't know if that's your desire, but that's my desire. I want, a, I want to live a life well lived. I'm not trying to play off your emotions or scare you, just the reality of the brevity of life. Unless Jesus comes back, which he could in a moment, unless Jesus comes back, we'll all breathe our last breath at some point. Um, our heart will stop beating, blood will stop flowing through our veins, and if you're loved, people will have a funeral service or a memorial service to, to talk about you. And then when that's done, they'll go eat fried chicken and mac and cheese. So, But at my funeral, and I don't know when that's going to be, but I hope that some people get up and they say, man, JC lived a good life. I thought somebody would say, man, like that was your heart too. Or like, hey, you're on your way. Some of you are like, you got a lot of work to do, Pastor. <laughs> But really, you look at these three books, these wisdom literature books, and, and, and basically they're telling us how to be good at life. Is that anybody's heart? Like, I'm going to be good at life. Uh, not every situation, like a uh, negative situation that we find ourselves in is a spiritual storm. And sometimes the challenges and the consequences that we face in life, they're self-inflicted. I call them self-inflicted stupid storms. They're not the devil's fault. They're just your fault. Can I get an amen from somebody? Look at somebody and say, sometimes you're just an idiot. Go ahead and tell them. Let that be liberating for you. Sometimes, sometimes we just say things and we do things and we make bad decisions by a show of hands. Anybody ever made a bad decision before? Come on. Every hand went up and if you didn't lift your hands, you're lying. <laughs> and it's our heart, right? You, you're at church on the first Sunday of summer, right? You're at church and not anywhere else. Because you want to be good at life. You want to live a blessed life. And that's me. I don't come to church because I've got it all together. Come on, somebody. This is a hospital for hurting people, for broken people. I come here because I am a work in progress. Thank God I'm not who I used to be, but I still got a long way to go on this journey. I just want to be good at life. And so these three books just show us like... The reality of the world that we live in and then how we can live well in this world with whatever amount of time that you've been given. And some years ago, I came across a video by the Bible Project. And I love the work that the Bible Project does. You can go on YouTube and Google them. And they'll put together animation as they break down scripture. And years ago, I came across this video where they talked about these three particular books, these uh, literature books of the Bible. Job, Ecclesiastes, and Proverbs. And they challenged us to think about these particular writings not as just words, but as a person. So whenever you're reading these three books, think of them as an individual, like a person. Get a mental image of, of, an, of, of, a, of a, a person. So let me break it down for you. Let's look at the book of Job. They said, consider the book of Job to be this weathered old man that's been through a lot. He's seen a lot. He's experienced a lot. And he wants to tell you a story. Then when you get into Ecclesiastes, think of that particular book as a mid-aged scholar who's somewhat of a critic. Got a different 
perspective on life and a different perception in his writing. I mean, if you've ever read Ecclesiastes, the whole header of the book of Ecclesiastes is everything is meaningless. (laughs) God bless you. Ecclesiastes 1, the first verse, meaningless, meaningless. Everything in life is meaningless. So somewhat of a scholar, intellectual, but yet critical. Then when you get to the book of Proverbs, and I hope, I hope this group appreciates my reference of Morgan Freeman. Come on, somebody. <laughs> they said to think of the book of Proverbs as a young, brilliant teacher or professor. And when I thought of that, I don't know why Morgan Freeman came to my mind, but how many of you remember the movie Lean on Me? Years ago, Lean on Me, where he steps into this school and he's this young, brilliant educator and he's making tough, t- anyway, go see the movie, all right? And also, just to let my ADD kick in for a moment, but is there a better voice in all of the world than the voice of Morgan Freeman? I mean, I'm like, every time I pray, I I always want the Lord to, like, respond back in Morgan Freeman's voice, you know? (laughs) I actually worked on my Morgan Freeman impersonation, and it is so bad, so I'm not going to put you through that misery, but this is what it is. So to think of the book of Proverbs as this young, brilliant teacher or professor that just has some instruction that he wants to share with you. And that's what we'll do over the next 10 weeks. We'll allow this young professor, this young brilliant teacher to share with us about wisdom and about life and how we can live a blessed life, how we can live a good life. So let's dive in together. The book of Proverbs teaches us that in this universe, there is an invisible force. And this force can guide us towards a good life. One more time by a show of hands, how many of you want to live a good life? You want to live a blessed life? Now, my desire to live a good life, my desire to live a blessed life is not so that I can get anything from God. I love that we sang that song at at, at our South Metro Atlanta campus a moment ago. All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. I was thinking about the goodness of God this past week and and, uh, worked youth camp. Uh, with, with our, our North Georgia youth camp, our, our campus here took some campers, and I was just thinking about the goodness of God, and man, I just, I said this out loud, and maybe you've said this before, but like, Lord, if you don't do anything else for me, you, you've already done enough. Like, how many of you know that's true? Like, God has done so many good things, so my desire to live a good life or my desire to live a blessed life is not because I, I'm demanding anything from God or I want anything from God. I just feel like it's uh, my heart's desire to take on the character of God, the nature of God. And so again, Proverbs teaches us that there's this invisible force. And it's a lot like gravity. You can't see it, but it affects everything that you do. And this invisible force can guide us towards this, this good life, this blessed life. Now in the Hebrew, that word that Proverbs is describing is the word chokmah. And you've got to say it like there's a little bit of phlegm stuck in the back of your throat. Let's practice together on count three. One, two, three. Chokmah. It's actually pretty good. Come on, let's try it again. One, two, three. Chokmah. When you take chokmah and you translate it into the English, it literally means wisdom. So Proverbs is teaching us that this invisible force is wisdom. And and it's not impersonal. Rather, wisdom is one of the attributes of God himself. And so watch this, the Hebrew would teach that if you want to live a good life, then you'll, I don't want to get ahead of my thoughts here, but 
You'll stop leaning on your understanding and you'll lean on the strength of God, the character of God, the nature of God, the wisdom of God. And so you'll make good decisions. And good decisions typically lead to a good life. So you're leaning into the chokmah of God. But if you're making bad decisions, then you are resisting. You're resisting wisdom. You're resisting the chokmah. And you can't be surprised at the outcome of your life based off of the decisions that you're making when you're leaning on your own ability, your own power, your own knowledge, your own intellect, and your own wisdom. Can I get 200 people that help me preach? Come on. So this is what the book of Proverbs is all about. It's about leaning into the wisdom of God so that we can stay on the straight and narrow, right? Proverbs talks about that. There is a way that seems right into a man, but in the end it leads to the way of death and destruction. So if we can lean into the wisdom of God, hopefully we make good decisions and we get a blessed life, we get a good life. And uh, Solomon, who wrote 29 of the 31 chapters of Proverbs, uh, chapters 30 and 31 were written by different authors, but the first 29 chapters written by Solomon, and Solomon jumps right into this, and he talks about the wisdom of God, the chokmah of God in chapter number one, the final two verses of chapter number one, and you'll see this is exactly what he's talking about. For the simple are killed by their what? Come on, church, by their what? That's what this world is doing, turning our back on God and pursuing our own agenda, our own morality, our own life, and watch, and the complacency of fools destroys them. And check out verse 33. If you've got your Bible, even if it's a smartphone, you've got that Bible application, or you've got, you've got your Bible in hand, I want you to highlight this verse or circle it. But whoever listens to wisdom will dwell secure and will be at ease without dread of disaster. So for me, and this is what I hope to unpack today, is that we can lean into the wisdom of God. We can begin this journey of wisdom. Now in the Hebrew they taught that if you want to begin this journey of wisdom, it always starts with the fear of the Lord. And this isn't really my sermon for the day, but I feel like I, I just need to tell you this, but it's what's wrong with our country right now. We do not have a holy, reverent fear of God because we think we are like God. And I'm not talking about an unhealthy fear of God. That's, that's never what I want to put on you. But I do think that there is something that leads us to a life of conviction when we have a holy, righteous, reverent fear of the Lord, knowing that he is above all, he is all, he knows everything. Come on, he's omnipotent and omnipresent. And that fear of the Lord that would drive us to our knees, come on somebody, it changes everything. So in Hebrew, they would say that to begin this journey of wisdom, to lean into the chokmah of God, it always starts with the fear of the Lord. You see it in Proverbs chapter 9, one verse here, watch. Let's read this together, ready? One, two, three. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs, and I love that so much because 11 out of 12 months of the year have 30 or 31 days. So there is literally a proverb for every single day within your month. That's why the old saying goes like this, a proverb a day keeps the devil away. Come on, somebody in summer school. Don't make me rap. Let me get up here rapping. 
I should go ahead. You know what? Sometimes in the car, I'll have my kids, man, they would hate me telling this story. Not because it embarrasses them, but it embarrasses me. But I'll say, hey, give me a word and I'll freestyle rap. And uh, they'll just throw out a word. And man, I'm telling you, y'all, I can flow. Come on, somebody. Like, I can flow. Anyway, a proverb a day. Okay, JC, get back to it. So here's what I get to do. I get to give you the intro of the 10-week series on the book of Proverbs and kind of the direction of the writing. And now I get to teach on my favorite proverb. This is why it's important to always be first in a conversation or when you're communicating. So I'm going to start in Proverbs chapter number 3, verses 5 and 6. Come on, church. And then 10 weeks from now, I'll get to close us out on Proverbs chapter 31, the final chapter of Proverbs. But let's look at Proverbs chapter 3 for a few minutes today. I'll give you a few thoughts here. I want to start in verse number 1 because I want you to see the promise that is, is attached to the command of leaning into the wisdom of God. Here's what the Bible says. My son, do not forget my teaching. And listen, you, you hear there's a lot of great pastors and preachers out there and social media and YouTube. You have access to all of them. It really is an honor to be your pastor. And I'm tremendously humbled that you let me be a part of your spiritual journey. Just don't forget my teaching. Don't forget the instruction of the Lord. Don't just be a hearer of the word, but be a doer. Can you say amen to that? So don't forget my teaching, but keep my commands and put them in your, your heart. And if you do that, they will prolong your life. And they'll also bring you peace. Anybody want peace? And they'll also bring you prosperity or blessings. Now again, I'm not preaching a prosperity gospel. That's, that's not my theology, but I do believe that when you are in alignment with God, God wants to bless you. That's who he is. It's his nature. Watch this, verse 3. Let, let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart, verse number 4. Then you will win what? By a show of hands. Anybody want to walk in favor? I want to walk in favor. Then you will win favor. You will have a good name. In the sight of God and the sight of man. I want a good name. Some of us are living in the consequences of our decisions, but we're also living in the consequences of generational curses and bad decisions. Listen, I, I even feel guilty sometimes when, some, when someone will say, oh, your last name's Worley, are you related to so-and-so? And I'm like, well, were they ever in jail? Because if they were, it's possible. But while I feel convicted of that, it's the reality of, father, grandfather, great-grandfather, but that generational curse stops with me and my son Lakeland. Come on now. That as long as I can lean into the wisdom of God, I hold on steadfast to God's word, God will give me a good name. Does that make sense? And we get favor in the sight of God and man. All right, and then here's the two verses that I'm going to preach to you for the next 90 minutes. Seeing if you're listening, come on. Seeing if you're in summer school, where are you going? Ready? Let's read these two verses together on three. One, two, three. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. Can we do it again? Come on. One, two, three. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. Can we do it without the TV? Ready? One, two, three. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not in your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path. Come on, church. Can we give Jesus praise for his word? 
trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Sometimes easier said than done, right? I've shared with you in recent weeks, and it really is kind of my style of communicating, just being vulnerable and transparent, but yeah, my family's going through some stuff. And uh, my trusting in the Lord is kind of at a testing season. I don't doubt God. I, I believe him to be good, and I know that he is faithful, but I'm human. When you read your Bible, all throughout the Bible, though, you see personalities and individuals that God asked them to trust him, and they did just that. I could literally spend 90 minutes and just show you examples, but let me give you three. Think about Noah. Noah's living in the middle of a drought, pardon the grammar, but there ain't a cloud in the sky. They don't even know what an ocean is or a lake is or a sea is. And God says to Noah, I need you to build a boat. You'll be laughed at, you'll be ridiculed, they'll make fun of you. But I need you to start chopping wood because it's about to rain. And Noah was at a crossroad. And now his situation may not be like yours, but what has God asked of you to trust him with? And you're at a crossroad. And Noah had a decision to make. He could reject God and that command, or he could lean into complete trust of the Lord. Think about Abraham. Abraham was 80 years old when God said, all right, Abraham, I want you to take all of your stuff and put it on Facebook Marketplace, sell it all, grab a U-Haul, and I want you to move you and your family. And Abraham's like, all right, where are we going? He's like, I'm not going to tell you. I just want you to go. Crossroad. And what did Abraham do? He put his trust in the Lord. I think about the apostle Peter, one of the disciples of Jesus. A lot of different examples here. But one is when Simon Peter and the other disciples were on the boat. In the middle of the night, they looked out on the sea and they thought it was a ghost. And then Jesus says, take courage, it is I. And Peter says, Lord, if it's really you, then let me come to you on water. And Jesus says one word, he says, come. And Simon Peter gets out of the boat and he begins to walk on top of the water. He trusted in the Lord with all of his heart. And the moment that Simon Peter got his eyes on the winds and the waves, he started to lean on his own understanding. What happened? Joker began to sink. And all of you know that you've tried to walk on water before. Come on, in the summertime you try to get in the pool, you're like, hey, watch this. It don't work. But when God says to do something and you put your confidence and your hope and your trust in God, God will always make a way. How many of you can testify to that? So watch this. When, 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 this, when the proverb says that irregardless of what you go through, no matter the season or the situation, if you trust in the Lord with all of your heart, that means that trust is not a piecemeal kind of trust in God. It means you don't get to pick and choose the areas of your life that you trust God in and the areas of your life that you don't want to trust God in. Either you trust him or you don't. So you can't say, God, I trust you with my career, but I don't trust you with the outcome of my children. It doesn't work that way. God, I trust you with my marriage, but I'll, I won't trust you with my money. You don't get to piecemeal trust here. It's, it's a complete trust, an all-in trust to say, God, if you're in it, 
I'm walking with you, and I'm trusting you for the outcome. Can I get 100 people to say amen to that? Hey, come on, let's clap like you've been there before. Come on. It's a, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a stretching season. It's stretching where God requires full faith, full obedience, full trust. And because you're human too, we're all guilty of the moments that we want to we try to keep control and maintain control. I'm not promoting the Enneagram, but we do different personality tests as a staff, and I have found great help in the Enneagram, and, and I'm an Enneagram 8, which means that I want control. And not only do I want control, but I want you to know that I am in control. Come on, somebody. <laughs> but your Enneagram is not greater than God. Like, you've got to submit to the sovereignty of God and say, okay, I'm just, I'm all in with you, so I'm trusting you completely. Even if I don't get it, even if it doesn't make sense, I'll chop wood to build a boat. This is my story. We'll pack up a 27-foot U-Haul, and we'll move from Georgia to Maryland to start Go Church. You want to hear that story? Go through Move Track. No job, no money, just a little bit of savings, but we're all in because God, you said Go. So we've got to figure out the areas that we're trying to hold on to and say, okay, Lord, I'm going to let it go. So let me give you this. And I, you, you can make fun of my acronyms. That's fine. But I like a good acronym. Can I get an amen? Let me give you one for trust here. They'll, they'll blow this up on the screen so that you can have time to write. But when I think of trust, here's how I define it. God, I'm going to turn over every single aspect of my life to you. You get all of it. I'm going to trust in the Lord with my whole heart. Trusting in you means that I realize you've got a perfect plan for my life. I don't want to take Jeremiah 29, 11 out of context, but the scripture says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Listen, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, but to give you hope and to give you future. Romans 8, 28 says, and we know this, that God works together for the good. He's a good God. God's not out to get you. God's not out to punish you. God's out to save you and rescue you. And what God wants you to do is, is lean on him. Stop trying to maintain control, but, but let Jesus take the wheel. Come on, that's funny. I don't care who you are. Understand that I'm not always going to understand. We'll talk about that one here in just a moment. There will be moments that we just don't understand some things. Trusting God means I'm going to seek your way every step of the way. Because, God, it's not my way, it's your way. It's not my will, it's your will. And then here's one. God, I'm going to thank you even when things don't turn out the way that I expected. I'll give you thanks. Or let me, let me say it another way because this might make more sense. God, I'm going to thank you even when things don't turn out the way that I wanted. Has that ever happened to anybody? A lot of times my prayers can be, God, this is what I want you to do. And if you'll do these things, then, you know, we'll be all right. And a lot of times God will go a different direction and I can find myself frustrated or in the moment disappointed. But when I look back over my life, come on now, I can see the sovereignty of God and the hand of God. And I can now, in this season of my life, trust, watch this. And I know this sounds elementary, but really, come on, hold on to it. I can, I can recognize that God's ways are better than my ways. And God actually knows what I want and need more than I know what I want and need. Because he's always looking out for me. I hope that encourages you today. 
So even when things happen, I don't know. Listen, when you got dumped, I know it hurt. I get that. But now you look all these years later, God rescued you from marrying that thing. Come on, somebody. I know you felt frustrated because the house that you wanted, somebody else bought it right from underneath you. But maybe that happened because God's got a better house for you in a better neighborhood. I know you didn't get the job that you wanted or the promotion that you thought that you deserved. But what if there's another door that God's about to open and it's greater than the door that you've tried to push open? Does that make sense to anybody? So here's the question. Watch this. What, what will it take for you to have more trust in the Lord? What's it going to take? Not everybody has the same story, but think about it. Look back. Come on, for a moment here. Has he ever really failed us? Has he ever really made a mistake? Now, I know you've got some deep pain, and I know you're probably processing that. Uh, look, I know that I've got deep pain, and I'm still processing that through emotions and grief and counseling, but... Man, God has just been good to me, like through my whole life. Or you've just been really good. So why, when I get to a moment of uncertainty, should I doubt you now? You never failed me before. You've always been with me. You think I'm preaching, I'm just testifying, come on. So what's it going to take for you to trust the Lord more? I can promise you this, when you go all in with God and you trust in the Lord with your whole heart, he will never fail you. He will never let you down. Come on. And he'll be faithful through it all. Is that a good word today? Come on, somebody. Now watch this. Here, here's what the proverb says. So trust in the Lord with all of your heart and then watch. And don't lean on your own understanding. Now, I'm not up here saying that the Bible is contradictory because it's not. But in the book of Proverbs, this particular thought is a little bit of a challenging confusion to me because all throughout the book of Proverbs, we're instructed to get understanding, to gain understanding. And then we're told, but don't lean on it. Get it, gain it, but don't lean on it. You got it? Go get it. But it really don't mean anything. Proverbs chapter 2, verse number 2, incline your heart to, come on, I got about six of these, you got to help me, all right? Incline your heart to, Proverbs 2, 3, raise your voice for, Proverbs 2, 11, discretion will protect you and will guard you. Blessed is the one who gains, Proverbs 14, 33, wisdom rests in the heart of a man who, Proverbs 16, 16, how much better to get wisdom than gold and than silver. One more here, Proverbs 23, 23. Buy truth and don't sell it. Get wisdom, get instruction, and get understanding. But watch this. If we're supposed to get understanding, why can't we lean on it? Now, I know that every weekend... That you come to church and you hear me preach, you are wowed by the anointing on my life. And I know you often wonder, how can someone that ugly be that smart? Come on, somebody. I went to college. 
And I'm about to tell you something that is absolutely profound. It is going to wow you. Are you ready? Look at your neighbor and say, are you ready? Let's go T.D. Jakes. Ask him, are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Come on. Here we go. You ready? If we're supposed to get understanding, why are we not supposed to lean on it? Here it is. The moment of truth, you ain't ready. You don't feel ready. You don't lean on it because you don't know what you don't know. Mind-blowing. Okay, that didn't wow you. Let me say it like this. You don't know what you don't know, and you only know what you know. Come on, somebody. That, I'm telling you, that's just unbelievable. Uh, let me explain it to you in a story. When my kids were smaller, um, like infant age and like toddler, which they were five years apart, which was a tremendous help because by the time my son was a little older, like he, just an extra set of hands was a huge blessing. You know what I mean? And I know we've got families here at Go Church. They got like van loads of children. You know, and my advice to you is just go grab a TV. Come on, somebody. But anyway, you'll get that joke later. One of our staff pastors, Ben and Emily Warwick, they have three under three. God, just touch them right now. Bless them with strength and peace and patience and money. Come on, somebody. But when our kids were smaller, um, they had no independence to them at all. Like every need they had, you know, like we had to provide for their needs. And uh, when they were smaller, we would often put like apple juice in a bottle. And so we would pour apple juice in the bottle and then typically we would dilute the apple juice with a little bit of water. Because if you give a baby straight apple juice, poops for days. Come on parents and grandparents, it's just the truth. So if they were able to communicate and I asked them then, so where does apple juice come from? their understanding would be mom and dad. Like mom and dad make apple juice. I ain't never made apple juice a day in my life. Then when they got a little bit older, listen to me, lean in for a second, in a different season, now they had a little bit of dependence to them. Independence, rather. They, they could kind of get things for themselves. And for parents who have little kids, that day is coming. And it's a glorious day when they can wipe their own rear ends. I'm just saying that, come on. So then when they, <laughs> hey, <laughs> bless them. <laughs> it's the truth though, come on. So when they were a little older, now instead of me or Kimberly getting them apple juice and putting it in a bottle, we just say, go to the refrigerator. And they'd go to a refrigerator and they would open up the refrigerator and there would be little juice boxes. And they'd grab a juice box. And how many of you remember the juice boxes? Come on, you can drink the whole thing like two, you know what I'm saying? Then in their understanding in that season, be like, where does apple juice come from? Oh, well, it comes from a juice box. But then they get into school, and their capacity and understanding begins to grow, and it's stretched. And then they learn about seeds and farmers. And then they really know where apple juice comes from. So what I'm saying is, in a particular season that you're in, you don't know what you don't know. You only know what you know. In a different season, God may reveal more to your understanding, but right now, you don't understand it because he's not giving you the capacity to process it or comprehend it. So you don't know what you don't know. Does that make sense? You only know what you know. So get understanding, gain understanding, but if you try to lean on your own understanding, it's fragile, and it will always fail because you don't know what you don't know. And listen to me. God knows 
everything. <laughs> Let me ask you this question. I hope it's a little convicting for you. Is there something going on in your life right now that you just can't understand? Yeah. Yep. But you're good, God. I can't wrap my mind around it. And I'm not just thinking about me, but some stories of people in our church. It's painful. But I don't want to lean on what I can understand. I want to lean on you. Because you see all and you know all. And just because I can't understand it doesn't mean that you can't help me through it. And just because I can't understand it doesn't mean that you can't get glory from it. Just because I don't like it doesn't mean that I can't grow from it. Does that make sense to anybody? And I'm going to say something here. And you've got to hear my heart. God is big enough to take your moment of frustration. Lord knows I hope so. If not, I'm on my way to hell fast. God can handle your moment of frustration. God, listen to me. God is big enough to handle your questions. Just don't take up residence there. Don't move in there. Ask the questions. You're human. God, God made you. So the pain that you're walking through, of course you don't understand it. And, and this false teaching of, well, God will never give you more than you can handle then why did he give us the Holy Spirit? If we can handle everything, why do we need a power greater than our own power? And why did he give us the local church to have fellowship and community with brothers and sisters? Watch this before you clap. Everything we go through is more than we can handle. It's all too much. It's all overwhelming. But God so loved the world that he gave us Jesus. And watch this. Being close to Jesus doesn't mean we'll have it all figured out. It doesn't mean we'll understand it all. And being close to Jesus doesn't mean we're exempt from the pains of life. But being close to Jesus means this. You'll never be alone. You're never alone. He is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. The Bible says that he is just as close as the very mention of his name. So yes, I don't understand. But there is a God in heaven that sees me in my brokenness. Come on. And meets me at the point of my pain. Put your hands together. Give Jesus the best praise. Come on. If you're walking through something right now, come on, praise your way through it. Come on. I don't get it. And I don't like it. But God, you're good all the time. And all the time, God. You are good. Come on, church. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Woo! Every hand lifted. Come on. Hallelujah. I trust you, Lord. I honor you. I worship you, Jesus. I need you, Jesus. I need you, Jesus. Help me, Lord. Strengthen me, Father. Thank you for grace. Thank you for mercy.
Thank you that your ways aren't like my ways. Your thoughts aren't like my thoughts. Thank you that you're bigger. Thank you that you're better. Thank you that you are sovereign. You are good. And I trust in you, Jesus. Woo! I trust in you, Jesus. Come on, five more seconds. Let's give God the glory and the honor. Come on. Woo! Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge him. And let me tell you something. We should be acknowledging God in everything and for everything. Stop taking credit for something that you shouldn't take credit for. It's God. Every good and perfect gift comes from our Father above. God gets the glory, not me and you. Hey, man, this is me, okay? I I, got to be careful because, but we gripe and we complain and we moan and we groan. Instead, we should be lifting our hands, thanking God that he's faithful through it all. Listen to me. God woke you up this morning. God did that. Not your alarm clock. God, the creator of the heavens and the, and the universe. God woke you up. Listen to me. A lot of people didn't wake up today. But God woke you up. So when you woke up, you should have said, Lord, I thank you for another day. And not only do I thank you for another day, but watch this. I thank you that you clothed me in my right mind. As far as my eye can see, and I know this doesn't go for everybody, but you didn't need the help of somebody to get you dressed or bathe you this morning. God gave you the ability to wash your body, brush your teeth, comb your hair, put your clothes on. So for that, God, I'm thankful. I'm grateful. Watch this. The other day, the other day I'm at the gas station, and I'm pumping gas, and I am frustrated. 529 a gallon. And my car takes premium. Somebody feel the pain. And I'm at that pump and I'm pumping gas. And out loud, I'm like, this is ridiculous. Frustrating. And all of a sudden, I heard the Holy Spirit simply say, You can walk. Lord, I thank you for 529 a gallon. My God, every blessing comes from the Father above. Can I get a witness from somebody? Lord, I know it's a lot of money. But I'm thankful for the car that I do drive. Can I get an amen? Stop complaining about the car you don't have and thank God for the car you do have. Well, I don't like my boss. I don't like my job. Well, listen, you got a job. So, Lord, I thank you for the job. It might be temporary in this season, but every blessing comes from you. So I'll put, I wish I'd had somebody help me preach today. I'll put my hands on the plow, and I'll put faith and works together, and every promotion will come from you. Do you hear what I'm saying? Lord, I thank you for the food. We rush through our prayers. Oh, thank you for the food. Let it, let there not be calories. No, no, no. The calories are the fats in there. Come on. He ain't going to do that for us. But we could say this, Lord, this meal today that I'm about to eat and some of you are about to eat, it'll be more than most people around the world eat. Lord, I thank you for the food. There's a, uh, you know you're getting old when you ask for a lawnmower for Father's Day. But I got a lawnmower. I've been working on my yard. Man, and that thing, three-fourths of my yard 
is pristine green. Come on, somebody. I'm, out, I'm checking the weather to see when it's going to rain so I can do a, 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 just a quick mow so that the water just trickles down to the base of that sod. I get out there and talk to my grass. Come on, somebody. Hey, baby, how you doing today? I came in the other day. Kimberly says, I wish you talked to me like that. I said, well, I wish you looked that good. Come on now. That's a joke. That's what I'm kidding. She's so fine and she's all mine. Three-fourths of my yard is green. One-fourth of my yard is straight yellow. I can't figure it out for the life of me. I'm standing out there the other day with a watering hose. <laughs> with a watering hose. <laughs> and my tank top. Come on, somebody. And I'm watering the yard. I FaceTime a friend. I'm like, man, look at this. I'm like, you know what I think's happening? I think somebody's letting their dog pee on my yard. And then I started thinking, no, you know what? I bet it's the kids. I bet the kids are playing in this part of my yard. So one day I'm watching my security cameras, and there they are. My kids and the neighbor's kids playing in that fourth part of my yard. And I thought, got them. I got them. And as soon as I was about to march out there and get onto them, I heard the Holy Spirit say, one day they won't be kids anymore. And one day you'll wish that part of the grass was yellow from all the playing going on. So you know what I did? Lifted my hands. I said, Lord, thank you for yellow grass. Because my kids are healthy. They're outside. They're having fun. Thank you. They got friends. Acknowledge God in everything and for everything. Not my agenda, your agenda. Not my will, your will. Not my way, your way. Not my platform, your platform. Not my ideas, God's idea. I surrender to you. I submit to you. I yield to you. That's how we acknowledge God. Trust in the Lord with all of our heart. Lean not on our own understanding. In all of our ways, acknowledge Him. And watch, here's the promise. And He will make your paths straight. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to pray over this room. We're transitioning online. Campus pastors are coming. Let's just take a moment right here. Where do you need to trust God in? More in your life right now. What are the areas that you don't understand? Let's give those to God. What are the areas that you need to acknowledge God and give Him thanks and honor and glory because He is good? Come on, let's transition online and we'll move in this room. You ready? Come on.